Hey guys, Luke McElroy from Mets Performance Consulting. Welcome back to another episode of the Physiology Secrets Podcast, joined by Nick again today. Uh, I've got a, a lengthy question come through today talking about essentially fat burning uh, and its applicability to 6, 12, and 24-hour ultra events. So um, the question, I'll just bear with me while I go through this. So the question is to do with um, in an ultra distance marathon, that's the example we've given, so 6, 12, or 24 hours, is the main goal of our training to improve our fat burning? That's essentially the question. We, we don't want to have accumulation of lactic acid and things like that. So is the primary goal to increase our fat burning? And if so, what type of training would we recommend? Is it just zone two? Is there any point in doing VO2 max sessions? And are tempo or threshold sessions useful? So let's break this down bit by bit, Nick. Let's start off with um, fat burning and, and how, we, how the body determines whether it's going to use a carbohydrate for energy or whether it's going to use a fat. Yeah, so basically the, everything works, I guess, on a bit of a spectrum or a continuum if you want to think about it that way. So ultimately, the lower, lower the intensity, the more, the more likely or greater contribution we're going to get from using fats because you've got more time. So fat, fats are much more complex than carbohydrates to break down really simply. That means it's going to require a bit more oxygen. But to do that, we're going to need the time. So ultimately, we, we can't be producing energy as quickly. Therefore, the lower the intensity, typically, we're going to be using slightly more fats and carbs. And then as intensity goes up, we obviously need to create energy much faster, much easier to do when we've got, uh, when we've got carbohydrates to be able to burn because they're less complex. We can break them out quicker. So that's where we, we, we see um, in terms of, I guess, testing this. If, you, if you're measuring in a lab oxygen and CO2, you can get what's called a respiratory exchange ratio or RER number, which basically works on this is highlighting this spectrum essentially so for, for most people somewhere around it's going to be close to might not always be perfectly on but close to the top end of their zone two is is going to be in and around that that range of what we call 0.7 which is fundamentally 100 fats or close enough to 100 fat use and very very minimal if not any carbohydrate use at that intensity and below all the way up to uh what we have an rer of one which basically indicates the opposite, 100% carbohydrate, very, very minimal fat use. And that basically falls on our lactate threshold or our functional threshold, uh, that one value. So realistically, it's, it's just intensity that dictates. The faster you go and the harder you push, you're going to have to use more carbs. Obvious downside to that is if we're talking about longer events, which is the circumstance around these questions, we're not going to be working at those really high intensities near threshold because it's just not practical. It's not going to be sustainable. So Yes, in, in some respects, being able to be, use fats better is going to be useful, but it's not just as simple as, oh, well, let's just go and practice going really, really slow all the time. It's a little bit more complex because there's some other factors and you might want to touch on this in terms of, we talk about a lot with percentage of the engine, but that bottom end is heavily dictated by the top. Yeah, that's right. So essentially, um, sort of two ways you can look at it you've got your and we talk about it all the time you've got peripheral adaptations you've got central adaptations peripherals in the muscle central is the heart cardiovascular system vo2 max that sort of stuff um and and again this percentage isn't exact but uh, the crossover point or the crossover concept where we start to go 50 50 contribution from carbs and fats occurs at about for most people 65 percent vo2 max could be 60 percent might be 70 percent might be 75 depending on genetics and training status and things like that but generally speaking it's about 65 percent vo2 max so with that in mind if you can increase your vo2 max it'll still be 65 percent of that vo2 max but it'll be a higher number so again let's say we're vo2 max is 300 watts <clears throat> that means that 
at, let me just get my calculator at 300 watts, 65% of 300 is 195 watts. All right. So that means that 195 watts, you're burning 50% carbs, 50% fat. So what you can do is you can do your VO2 max style training. You can do a little bit of base, but to a point you have to do your VO2 max style training and get that 300 watt VO2 max up to, again, let's just be say 400 watts VO2 max. So 400 watts, still at 65%, that's now 260 watts compared to 195 watts. So what that means is now at 260, we're at a 50-50 contribution. So if that athlete decided to go back to 195, which was the pre-training value, they're not going to be using 50-50 carbs and fats. They're going to be using like 80% fat, 20% carbohydrates. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So they're going to be saving their glycogen. Now we have unlimited fat stores. You're not going to run out of fat. doesn't matter who you are. You'd have to be Two, two hours, sorry, two, two hours, two weeks, oh, two, weeks. two weeks. Yeah, two weeks out in the wilderness doing an ultra. Hopefully you're eating, you know, and you, and you wouldn't be eating. So you've got heaps of fat, like you're not going to run out. But you do obviously run out of glycogen, carbohydrates, you know, high intensity, two hours, lower intensity, might be three, four, maybe even five, but you will run out of it over the course of six to 24 hour ultra if you don't replenish yep. it. Um, so the goal is to, to, yeah, burn as much fat as possible so that you don't use that much glycogen and it's really easy to replenish the glycogen you do use because you sorry i just i just <laughs> he just, just muted himself i just i just muted myself what <laughs> just do i repeat say? that last little line i think <laughs> so i was just sorry I was, I was just saying that um um the goal essentially is to, to burn as much fat as possible so that uh you, you might only be using say 20 grams of glycogen per hour and that's really easy to replenish through just a basic nutrition strategy. So yes, we want to burn as much fat as we humanly can, uh, as humanly possible. Um, and we're going to do that through a combination of increasing our VO2 max, because then we have a higher oxygen um, utilization rate, but also through our specific zone two training, because we want that peripheral adaptation, the capillarization around the muscle, the blood supply and oxygen supply to the muscle. Um, also, we want as many slow twitch fibers as possible. And we know that through doing the, the lower intensity work we can transition whatever type 2 b uh, sorry type 2 a fibers we've got the intermediate fibers we can transition them to more slow twitch characteristics which are going to utilize more fat and more oxygen um, in in the, the body's metabolism so you want to do both zone two because it's specific and because you'll get all those those peripheral adaptations but also there is a place for vo2 max work because if you can increase your vo2 max it just drags everything up at that crossover point drags up. So when you go at an easier intensity, you're using 80% fat instead of say 50% fat. Um, any points to add on that, Nick? No, I don't think, I think the, the key one there is ultimately you should be looking at it from a perspective of, well, if I can hold a lesser percentage of my engine for like, if, if you think about it as simple as like, I'm, I might be running the same, the same pace, but it's a lesser percentage. Well, it gives me two options. I can either run, at that same pace for a longer period of time, which is going to lead to potentially a better performance output over something like 12 or 24 hours, or it's going to give me the ability to run for the same period of time, but at a faster intensity. So lifting up the top end, uh, it's just going to allow you to have that flexibility at the bottom, um, ultimately of, of manipulating what percentage of the engine you're using. Um, and yeah. I, I, at the end of the day, if, you, if you're running the same amount of time, but you can run, slightly quicker depending on how much quicker that is if it's only 10 seconds per kilometer quicker but if you're over 12 hours that's a significant chunk of time in terms of performance gained um, as a result of maybe boosting up the top end so it's pretty useful yeah yeah so in, in summary of that part of the question we're going to move into nutrition 
in a sec. But in, part of, in summary, that part of the question, we'd be focusing on our zone two primarily, like at least 80%, especially if you're an ultra distance runner, 80% is going to be that zone two. And we, we, but also getting a little bit of that VO2 max work because if we can increase your VO2 max, then as a percentage, it's going to drag up your fat burning as well. Okay. And in terms of tempo threshold, that they wouldn't be useful in the metabolism side of things, which we just spoke about. And it's not very specific to an ultra distance race because you're doing six, maybe a little bit for the six hour, but not really, but 12 and 24, definitely you're going to be spending all your time in zone two anyway. So um, I wouldn't even touch on them personally, yep. unless you want to, but I don't think it, metabolically, I don't think it has an effect. Yeah, I don't think from a from a fuel usage side of things and what we've just touched on there, I don't think it has an effect. If you're looking at, maybe I just want to throw in some um, some of that sort of tempo threshold work because I know the terrain of the course is going to be quite undulating, and so there's going to be periods where my heart rate's going to come up and it's going to be difficult. And that that's more specificity. We're not really sort of diving too much into that that side of things for ultras here because it's going to be quite varied based on the course. But that's probably the only part that makes a bit of sense if if we're looking purely at fuel usage and, and where are we getting that energy from it's it's probably yeah it's probably not really going to give us too much value cool and the second part of the question so uh, it was um so if it's the case that we should stay in zone two during a race which we should for a really long distance race um where we're predominantly where we're predominantly burning fat rather than glycogen three parts of this does it still make sense to be consuming predominantly carbs so gels and drinks during the race Part B is, is the amount of carb required per hour lower than a marathon where you might be doing 60, 90 grams? And is there any point in taking other fuel sources such as fat, um, given the average person has essentially unlimited fat to burn? So let's break down the first one. So does it still make sense to be consuming predominantly carbs during the race? What are your initial thoughts, Nick? Initially, my thoughts are, yeah, it does. You've got to be still taking some carbs. As we said before, the key thing with this is, you, you're going to burn through, like you can burn through your carbohydrate stores when I say relatively easy. If we're talking at a six or a 12 hour race, like if you're not replenishing your carbohydrates, you, there's a lot of that race where you're not going to have much to, much to tap into. Um, you, you might be chipping through them a bit slower because you're at a reduced intensity to, to say uh, a half marathon, um, but it's still really critical. You're not going to run out of fats. We, we met, you mentioned that earlier. So you, you've got enough fat stores to last you a very, very long period of time. Um, it, so it still makes sense that if, well, if we want to maximize performance and where can we pick up a little bit of that, uh, if we can lift intensity by only a small amount, by having a bit of carbs continuously coming into the system, it, it's going to make a massive difference uh, in the long run. I guess the, the second part to this is, well, do we need to be consuming, if you're normally in a marathon, you, if you're consuming 90 grams per hour of carbohydrate, do we need to be consuming as much in something like an ultra per hour I'd almost argue potentially not because we are at that lower intensity. So it's this balance of how hard are we working, which then relates to how much fuel we're burning is then going to almost dictate a bit how much we need to put back in. Yeah, that's right. No, that's spot on. So that ticks, ticks the first two questions there. Um, clearly you're not going to have 60, 90 grams because you shouldn't be burning that much in a ultra because the exercise intensity is significantly lower. So as we said, you might be burning 80% fat and say 20% glycogen and that 20% glycogen might be 15 grams an hour or 20 grams an hour, in which case, yeah, mathematically, that's all you need to consume. Obviously taking into account things like hunger flats and things like that. Um, so you definitely don't need to consume as much. Now, in terms of the actual nutrition that you consume, should it be carbohydrates or should it be something else? Now we're saying that it, there's no, there's no requirement to, to take in a, a, a fat mixture because you've got unlimited stores. 
The only other option is protein, which isn't used as a fuel source. So it's not going to help you run or ride for a long distance. That's more from a, a muscular recovery perspective. Um, so carbohydrates is the only one that's left over. And it is the one that we recommend. And the ins and outs of that is where there is a lot of um, conjecture, I guess, and a lot of anecdotal evidence. Some people like to do to, to not have carbs at all. They like to have alternatives that are higher in GI or lower in GI. Um, that like to race faster, things like that. And we're not going to go into the, the nitty gritty of that because it's at the end of the day, there is some evidence to suggest both ways, depending on the scenario, but it's a very anecdotal, very personal thing. Um, in terms of what I will go into, it is not the presence of carbohydrates that inhibit fat burning. It is the presence of insulin. And insulin is released when you consume a carbohydrate. So what that means is that um, if you want to maintain high fat burning, you don't have to avoid carbohydrates. You just have to be very careful with the insulin that's released when you consume it. So if you go and have a jelly bean or a gel or something like that, you're going to, because that's high GI, that's basically sugar. You're going to get a very quick insulin release and a very quick insulin hit. And that will temporarily depress your fat burning. Okay. Versus if you consume something like a something lower GI. So think like, I'll give you examples. You're not going to do this out on a race, but like things like, you know, cereal and, and um, whole grain bread and, and things like that. Now, what you could do is have like an unripened banana. That's going to be on the lower GI versus a ripened banana is going to be a bit higher GI. So you could play around with lower GI alternatives. And the reason I say this is because we're not trying to get 60 to 90 grams. We might be trying to get 15 to 20 Um and you'll be able to do that by having like an unripened banana, for example, or maybe you do have your whole grain bread instead of your white sandwich bread, for example, because it's lower GI. So if it's lower GI and GI means glycemic index, maybe jump on Google, which is basically how quickly is the carbohydrate absorbed essentially in a simple way. And the slower it's absorbed, the less insulin that's released because it doesn't need to right? versus if you have a big sugar hit, lots of insulin, because we want to convert that into glycogen essentially. Um, so that's where I would personally be playing around because the last thing you want to do is let's say you go from using 80% fat to 20% carbohydrate. And then all of a sudden you have a gel and now maybe we're at 60% glycogen and we're at 40% fat. Yeah, you don't want that because if your fat, <laughs> fat burning gets depressed, then you're going to have to rely more on your carbohydrate, your glycogen, yep. which we now have a finite um, limit. So that, that's one thing that I would play around with. And that's a bit anecdotal in my, in, in, myself as well, in the sense that I, I know that insulin will suppress fat burning. So it's just the, how can we get around that while still ticking the box of replenishing our carbohydrates, but also not suppressing our fat burning. That's one way to do it. All right. Now it will suppress it to a tiny extent because you're still having a, a carbohydrate. But um, I think the next point to go into Nick is that, yeah, we don't want, if we run out of carbohydrates totally and we hit what we call glycogen depletion, then the, we, we have to use 100% fat. And because fat takes so much longer to break down, um, we're going to reduce our intensity. We're going to slow down. We're going to feel rubbish. Everyone knows what it feels like to hit the wall is, is the term they use for glycogen depletion where you feel fine and all of a sudden you don't. Um, so, so maybe just quickly, Nick, do you want to talk about uh, some of the research you've done in terms of when, in what situations must we absolutely have carbohydrates to perform, maybe outside the context of this um, versus maybe periodizing it for certain training sessions and things like that? Yeah, so... Like, like we mentioned at the beginning, it's, it's all relative to the intensity. So if we're looking at um, 
if we're looking at much higher intensity events, you're going to need carbohydrates. And what I mean by much higher intensity events in this circumstance is we're talking the difference between a half marathon and a half marathon for most people and, and an ultra or potentially a marathon that might only go for three or three or so hours versus someone who's going out and doing an ultra for, for six or 12. So in those circumstances, dictated by the intensity, dictated by what that RER value is, we're going to need to use uh, use carbs. When that then filters down into training, it's a very simple, simple principle in terms of, it. again, the higher the intensity, the more likely we are to be using carbohydrates. And realistically, it's this trade-off of, are we trying to get better at just using fats for the sake of getting better at just using fats in, in that one little area of our physiology? Um, in which case, if we go down that path, are we actually limiting our ability to get a really good training stimulus from a high intensity session? Because if we don't have the fuel that's adequate enough for the intensity we're trying to produce, so let's say we're trying to do VO2 intervals as an example, right up at the top of our top of our physiology, up near VO2 max, we're going to need a high amount of carbohydrates to power that. But if we're if we're going into that fasted or we're very very low on carbohydrate beforehand. Obviously, it's a short session, so you're not going to feel like you need to top anything up during the session, and by then it's usually too late. But if we can't produce that intensity we need, are we then sacrificing a physiological adaptation? Well, yes, we are, because if we can't run at 95 or 100% of VO2 max, we can only get to 90 or just below. Ultimately, that that means that we're not going to get we're not going to get the ideal ideal end result in terms of adaptation. So. It's the, it's the type of thing that we need to be a little bit, a little bit smart. And, and that's where a bit of the research done on, uh, on what our carbohydrate availability is prior to training sessions. Um, it's sort of interesting and, and it follows a similar, similar line of realistically, probably the best way to go is periodizing what your carbohydrates are doing. Um, when you need high carb, go for it. When you don't necessarily need high carb, maybe it is better to, to keep that on the lower end of the spectrum. Um, and in terms of what that means is it might be a case of, okay, I know I'm going to do uh, VO2 intervals tomorrow morning. So that means tonight and maybe a little top up of carbohydrates before that session the next morning is the way to go. Um, if I'm going out and doing a, a long, slow zone two, zone two session, very low intensity, probably don't need as many carbs. So maybe I might be able to go into that session a little bit lower on carbohydrate, a little bit faster. So that that has shown to actually be far more effective than just going low carb the whole time, um, significantly better. Um, and, and to the same token, I mean, going high carb all the time potentially for a lot of people isn't isn't the best way to go from just a diet perspective anyway. Um, but again, it's just it's just picking and choosing what what we need for the demands of the actual activity, um, and, and balancing that with the trade off between optimal fuel utilization versus uh, what our physiological adaptation is as well. Yeah, so I think a good summary of what the research is showing us so far is that um, there's heaps of evidence to suggest that if you're doing anything high intensity, you have to have carbohydrates. If you're doing a training, a VO2 max training session, if you're going to do a crit race or anything that's really high intensity, you have to have your glycogen stores, your carbohydrates. So um, you would consume them at least you know the day prior to and the day of for those events versus things like that are your zone two sessions where it's going to be very low intensity. That's when you can trial whether it's, you know, faster training or, or, or lower carbohydrate consumption the day before, whatever, whatever it is, that's where there is scope to practice that. Um, so then it comes back down to the context, obviously with the context of an ultra distance marathon, um, uh, you, you can look at trialing some of these lower carbohydrate, higher fat diets, but if you are going to increase some 
sorry, introduce some VO2 max sessions, which we think are beneficial due to if you increase the top end, you'll push your fat burning up as well. You would need to cycle in your carbohydrates for that session because the you don't want to reduce the intensity of the session or the quality of the session because you don't have the adequate fuel, as you sort of mentioned on there. So I think that's probably a, a pretty good point to sort of finish off on. Um, and and I guess this is just one area which is still very anecdotal. It's very personalized. A lot of people are very passionate about a certain diet, but um, our perspective is that um, you fuel accordingly. If you have, if you need carbohydrates due to intensity, you need to put them into your diet. If it was me tackling an ultra distance race, what would I do? I would not do it. Number one, but if I was to do it, <laughs> I would, um, I would need to. Um, train a lot at zone two, like majority of my training would be at zone two. I would still do some of the VO2 max work to get my, my VO2 max up and therefore my fat burning. Um, I would trial some fasted or low carbohydrate um, work during my long, slow runs. I would definitely cycle in carbohydrates and my high intensity stuff. On race day, I would load up on carbs the day before and the, do, do a typical sort of carbohydrate load but then the day of i would be very careful with the morning i'd have something lower gi to control my insulin and then throughout the race i'd i'd probably consider real foods things like you know a jam sandwich maybe even whole grain um and and things like that as well as like an unripened banana things that might have a lower a lower energy release because that will control my insulin and allow me to still maintain a high amount of fat burning but also replenish my 10 or 15 or 20 grams of carbohydrates i might need to throughout the race. So I think that's a good finish point. We'll leave it there and uh, we'll speak to you on the next episode. Hey podcast, Nick from Mets here. Hopefully you enjoyed another great episode of the Physiology Secrets podcast. If you want to keep up to date with any future episodes we produce, other content we create here, or just anything that's happening in the lab here in general, be sure to click the link below, sign up to our weekly updates. We're going to receive some absolute gold in terms of what's happening in the lab, what are we seeing and observing, and also some of our old content as well that you might have missed to further understand the science behind endurance performance. So if you are interested, make sure you do click the link below, sign up for those weekly updates, and head over to our social media as well. Follow us along at Instagram, at Mets Performance. Head over to Facebook. We have a great YouTube channel as well. Be sure to check out all of our great content that is already up there, but also some of the great stuff that is coming soon. Thanks again. Be sure to share the podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed another episode and we'll see you in the next one.